Oh, I'm looking forward to doing the show. We've got a lot of stuff going on. I think you guys will be interested in a lot of big players cold calling me about helping them out with things going to happen, you know, next year in the story. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Today's a little Jack the Ripper bonus episode for you guys. I uh, got the opportunity to interview Jeff Mudgett. Jeff is the author of Bloodstains and has an eight episode series on the History Channel named American Ripper. He's even done a TED Talk. Jeff is the great-great-grandson of Herman Webster Mudgett. To true crime people, we know that name well. But if you're not a true crime person, Herman Webster Mudgett is the real name for the infamous serial killer, H.H. Holmes. This guy is widely considered America's first serial killer. He is the worst of the worst. H.H. Holmes built himself a murder castle in Chicago during the World's Fair in 1893. Holmes was also a career criminal with crimes including insurance fraud, check forging, horse theft, and, of course, murder. His number of victims vary from source to source. I've seen as high as 200 victims, and I've also seen as low as nine, even one for sure. And the reason Jeff's done a TED Talk and had a History Channel eight-episode limited series and written his book, Bloodstains, is not only because of the H.H. Holmes thing, but he also thinks... That H.H. Holmes is, or was, Jack the Ripper as well. We're doing a three-part series on Jack the Ripper on Patreon with Private Dicks, which will be public, but eventually not yet. I came across this theory when I was researching Jack the Ripper, which has over 200 suspects, so I picked a lot of them. So I, I feel like to have one for H.H. Holmes himself is kind of a fun plan. And I wanted to release this publicly on both the Private Dicks and Unethical feed just because i want you guys to hear this guy's interview he was interesting had some interesting thoughts and then once private dicks if you're not on patreon you can go on to it and get yourself on and listen to the episodes as they get put out but i think the interview stands alone and it can be presented right now for you guys so enjoy the episode if you want to get catch all the private dicks episodes about jack the ripper you can go to www.patreon.com slash unethical podcast sign up for our five dollar tier get all sorts of stuff on there as well there's a ten dollar tier that gets you some videos uh, there's two dollar tier if you want to just help us out we'll shout you out in some way you get early access to episodes when they come out i think that's how that works if not you can yell at me in the comments so thanks and here's the interview an elite team of private detectives what if balloons are aliens but maybe that's the key component we're missing cover-ups john's guilty mysteries that need to be solved maybe mormons need mountains Richard, shut up. Let me introduce you to everyone here. So uh, we have Jeff Mudgett here today on, uh, actually, you know what? I'm gonna, I have two podcasts, one's unethical. One, I'm going to put them as special episodes for both sides. So so my unethical people and my private dicks people, we have Jeff Mudgett here, who is, you're a jack of all trades, Jeff. I'm looking you up. You, you're an author. You're a TV star. Hey, History Channel TV star. You, you did a TED Talk. I didn't know that. You were on Sword and Scale. I didn't know that. I didn't listen to that. But that, that must have been years ago. Yeah. So you've been, on, you've been on all sorts of stuff promoting your... Maybe I should give a background of you a little bit, too. Great, great grandson of the most evil American in history. Yeah. Great. Huh? How proud to be. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy to me that, from my understanding, you got told this... Like you, you didn't know this your whole life. Like when did you find out that you were great, great grandkid to H.H. Holmes? About 40. <laughs> 40. I'm 38. It was a, a 
family dinner. I, I write about it in the book, which is, you know, my revision is coming out here soon, which I'll introduce to all your listeners sometime in your show today. But it's it was a family dinner. And my grandmother was she was her, her hobby was looking up our our direct descendancy lines. Yeah. And oh, yeah. ancestors and her belief all these years had been that it had been the infamous or famous, however you want to call it, Civil War General Robert E. Lee. Oh. All that. And she hired these professional teams to to run it down professionally, you know, and give her a full report, verified, certified, all that stuff. Uh, spent a lot of money. That's crazy. I, I thought you were going to say she was like on Ancestry.com, you know, or something like that. But she got a whole team. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that was her deal. And uh, that, but that was a long, you know, that was 25 years ago. I, I could be your grandfather. <laughs> How old are you, Jeff, if you don't mind me asking? 66 here pretty quick. Yeah. There you go. So you, you could be my dad. You could be my grandpa if we were like, you don't know my mom. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Well, I don't know. You look kind of cute. You, you look kind of cute. She might be pretty. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So you're sitting around dinner and your grandma's trying to figure out from Robert E. Lee, because she's convinced of that, what happens next? Well, she sits us all down and she's spooning out her famous chicken dumplings, you know, and we're all eager to dive in. And then she says, I've got uh, something to tell you all. The pros came back to me and said that I need to take up an, another hobby. There's something I need to do differently now. And then she told us what they what they told her about. It wasn't Robert E. Lee. It was it was a man that, you know, was every major newspaper in the 1890s was referring to as the devil. And it's, you know, not just a criminal, the devil. For sure. And she said, and I, you know, and I looked it up and then, and then my brother was her, was her assistant and all this stuff. He'd, he'd always been involved with it too. He jumped in and said, yeah, I did some research and uh, this was, this was not a good man. And my grandfather's sitting there and my grandfather was a very quiet, stoic man. I had very little relationship with him and he's sitting there you can, and I could, I was watching him. You could, you know, cause this would have been his grandfather, right? Yeah, for sure. And uh, one second. So no. your, your grandma, sorry, I got to get this straight. Your grandma was looking to get Robert E. Lee. And then she found out that she was related to H.H. H. Holmes through marriage. through marriage through, through. Okay. So it wasn't okay. I thought she was looking up her side. No. So she looked through marriage. So your grandpa's sitting there. Yeah. What was your grandpa's name? Bert. His name was Bert, Bertram. Grandpa Bert. Grandpa Bert. But uh, yeah. he explodes at the table. Richard and and storms out of the room, but he's yelling at the family. That name will never be used in my house ever again. And storms out of the room, and we're all just kind of sitting there, like, "Wow, we were just looking for apple pie, you know? We weren't looking for uh, <laughs> this." And and, uh, and then I, I, you know, I was in. I practiced law in California. I wasn't a criminal trial lawyer, but I, I worked trials. And I started being fascinated with this subject. So you find out that, and then did you know who H.H. H. Holmes was before that? No. Like, did you ever hear of him? No, no, never. And it was never talked about. I guess you guys didn't have what we have now, like the internet. Because I, 
can go on the internet today and go look up Stoodle. And then I find it's a town in Germany. I have a bunch of family over there. Apparently my parents told me after I went and looked it up, uh, you add an R in there. It's a tasty dessert. I can figure out everything that Stoodle, my last name, but you never had anything like that. So for me, if I was my age, if my last name was Mudget, I would have looked that up and I would have figured out HH home as a mudget. And I would probably oh. look that up in my twenties. You know what I mean? So it's a different time actually. Oh, back then, you know, there was no cell phone. There was no Wi-Fi. There was uh, my brother went to the library of Congress to research this spell. I mean, it was, you know, oh, wow. it, was a different, it was a different world. Oh, wow. And I, and I, I try to explain that. So I started becoming fascinated with the subject and quite frankly, some of the differences I'd always known were my father and I and my grandfather. We were, we were, we were different people and it was there, but there had never been an explanation as to why, what, what these changes had been. And then all of a sudden this thing started fascinating me. Okay. And the fascination became a passion and then an obsession. And so uh, for years, I, that's, that's where I went up to just studying that subject and this evil man. You're, you're practicing law at the time, right? You're a lawyer at the time. So you just go back to your office and start like, I got to learn about more about this. Like you just starts doing it like that. Do you continue practicing law for long or do you just like, well, I kept, I had to make a living and you know, and there was no, I wasn't making, wasn't making a living off this subject. Oh, okay. So like my idea is I, I wasn't trying to be like, obviously I had to make a living, but my point is you didn't just go like, you know what? I'm going to write a book about this. I'll put my law on hold. Like you didn't go that obsessed right away. You just started like, researching slowly yeah you know and then you and then and then you gotta you gotta remember this wasn't finding out your ancestor had been bundy or gacy one of those goofballs okay this was you go back and start reading newspapers harpers you go back and hearst and they're they're describing this man as being you know deviltry and that i'm a progeny of the devil and they're you know they're writing this stuff and obviously i didn't go that far in my belief i feel i think you're it's pretty far removed so maybe it's a little bit different than this but like many people have found out they've been progeny like there was a guy that found out charles manson was his dad and he he actually committed suicide so like he couldn't handle that like yours is a little further away so it's not like it was your dad like that'd be something crazier but it's crazy that you pulled it in and decided, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to start looking into this. I want to understand this. I have a fascination with this kind of stuff too. That's why I do a a true crime podcast. I have a huge fascination with this. So I can understand from a, just a true crime fan point of view to get obsessed with something, but yeah, right now in the middle of a big case. And that's how I came across you. So I'm super excited to get to talk to you about this today, especially since like you got so much crazy knowledge. Were you still in the Navy at this time? I was Naval Reserve. I never served active duty. My dad did. I got you. My my parents were in both in the reserves too. So I understand that. So then you start researching to write bloodstains. Is that your thoughts or you just wanted to understand it? Yeah. Yeah. And it, of course, you know, I went into the uh, struggles with the family who wanted me to just leave it alone and, you know, us go hide off in the corner and not, not acknowledge this terrible thing. And that's, that just, I'd always been an investigator, kind of like what I think you, you've always been. I, I'd always enjoyed the cases where I had to win after researching the actual facts. Yeah. Okay. You know what happened and then uh, putting two plus two together and coming up with a conclusion that could pass in, in court. And so, you know, I started looking at this and all of a sudden, Richard, the story starts getting stranger and stranger. We're talking about the murder castle during the World's Fair in Chicago. 
Oh, it's bonkers. We're talking about the Chicago police admitting hundreds went missing there that were never located or determined their fate. Yeah. This little guy's got a hotel two miles down the road where people were staying. He had graduated from the University of Michigan with a with a medical degree. He was a full doctor. Yeah, for sure. Smart guy too, right? Really high IQ. Oh, oh yeah. Off the oh, charts. Yeah. Oh, both the castle. So he had this castle just outside the World's Fair, basically. But was it, it was it really a hotel? I saw some stuff where it was more of like a business section on the bottom, and then he had long-term living on the second floor, and then he added a third floor, right? Oh, no, no. There's, there's so many different theories okay. and angles going off now about, about it was a hotel. It was the second floor where he rented rooms at. His third floor was where he lived. Okay. Uh, the, you're right. The main floor was was uh, he had some pharmacy stuff like that, and then down in the basement okay. were all this. And that's what's coming out here pretty quick, Richard, with Scorsese, DiCaprio, Hulu, all those. Oh yeah, Keanu's in it. Is he? Is he going to be HH? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Is Keanu going to be HH Holmes? No, he's going to be the architect that, that Eric Larson wrote about in the Devil oh. in the White City, the bestseller. Okay. Now the people at MGM told me they think Leonardo's going to play home. He just hasn't announced it yet. We heard that years ago yeah. that he was going to play H.H. Holmes, and then it kind of fell to the wayside. And then just out of nowhere, if Keanu's playing it, he's confirmed, okay, cool, I'm in. So you've been talking to Scorsese then? You and Scorsese buddies now? Or? Oh, I've never talked to him personally, <laughs> but you know, I've, I've talked to the people working around him. <laughs> I haven't met Keanu. I mean, no, that's okay. I'd love to. So, you know, these these theories that are coming out about what Holmes was and what he did and didn't do, or they, they fascinate me, but it's the big players are, have it, the story now, and we'll see what Hulu decides to put out to uh, millions, millions of people about this, about this evil man. Yeah. I'm excited for everyone involved in that to be like, tell their story. I follow you on Facebook and Bloodstains as well, and I've been seeing you putting updates and stuff about that, so I'll... Go follow the book Bloodstains. Read Bloodstains too. My revision is going to come out here in about two, three weeks. The book's 12 years old. But so I decided, you know, I'm trying to incorporate 12 years of work in television that I've been doing, the archaeology, the anthropology, the forensic science, cool. the true crime investigation. I'm trying to incorporate all those things. Pretty much, you know, deciding to let the world know I don't agree with these stories coming out about him not being an evil man at all. And this is all legend and lore. I don't agree with that. I'm excited about that. I very and, much uh, so When your listeners, if they'll follow the Bloodstains Facebook page for uh, when, it, when the book comes out for two or three days, we're going to be offering it the ebook download for free. Oh, cool. Anyone that wants to read it here, it's coming out uh, before Halloween. When it comes out, I'll, I'll throw it across all my socials too and get some people, uh, get some people reading your book because uh, this is exciting stuff, especially like the fact that your HH Holmes is ancestor is crazy enough but then there's even more craziness to this but i got a couple more questions about being hh holmes's ancestor you're writing bloodstains or whatever you're doing a bunch of research for this is it it must be so weird to feel like you have a piece of a serial killer in you like how did that affect you mentally it's it can be agonizing it can it can uh, you can be sitting in your chair watching tv and all of a sudden these thoughts come up about you sit down there and look at your hands and think wait a minute wait a minute you know, I didn't have any choice in this, but these these hands are here as a result of the conscious decisions of the one they're all referring to as evil. And, uh, you know, that's not that's not easy to take. And you start wondering about your instincts, you know, your thoughts. 
your decisions in life, things like that, and whether any of those were influenced by the genes that you that you were born with. And uh, those things have always fascinated me, dude. And uh, and you've seen some of my Facebook pages. I've got uh, thousands of followers who want to jump on and be very sympathetic for me, to, you know, telling me, Jeff, you didn't have any choice in this. This isn't your fault. You don't have to feel guilty about this. And, you know, I agree with all that, but it's still not something you just cast aside. It's not that easy. And that's what, and that's, let me, and I'll finish here quick and you can get back on your question. But Bloodstains is about a man's awakening, discovering who he really is and this, this evil, you know, ancestry and trying to discover what the truth was. Hopefully determining that none of that stuff was passed on through my grandfather, my father, and then me. And that's, uh, I I find it a fascinating story. It's not, it's got some fiction in it. It's got some, I took some creative licenses. I filled some gaps with my imagination. But I warn all the readers of that and I let them know. Uh, You know, I talk about the paranormal, dude. I would, when I took this story up, you know, and the people there at the post office there in Chicago where it was, that was built over the top of the murder castle by the federal government. Mm-hmm. They won't go down in the basement. They think it's haunted. Oh yeah. I and, bet, I bet they know, do. I've been down there twice. And uh, both times that I went down there, I didn't believe any of this paranormal stuff. I didn't believe in life after death. You know, oh, the yeah. millions the millions of Americans just live by. Right. Yeah. And uh, when I came back up out of those basements, I had a different train, train oh, of thought. Yeah. Different, oh, yeah, that's oh, scary. Yeah. There was there was an energy down there that was there was no doubting it. And it, it, it's got to be something. And I'm not saying I'm a very big skeptic myself, is like, don't get me wrong, yeah. but the, we don't know everything. And who knows what kind of if we put pain like that out in the world, what kind of scars it can leave in places, you know, I I. I I don't want to say I firmly believe, but I do believe that things can be disrupted in a manner that we don't understand yet. So maybe that basement has something. I wouldn't shock me. It's knowing all the shit that like ancient homes and it like gas chambers, airproof rooms, just to let people suffocate in them. Like, you know what I mean? Like shoots, like that's awful. That guy's awful, an awful human. And, and that, that being in you, you, you see, this is the big question with true crime, especially is like the nature versus nurture question. And, and I'm seeing that you're actually kind of saying that you feel like you have some of that in you, but you don't have it's not the same. But I mean, it's there. You can feel it, which I find so fascinating. Your, your dad and grandpa, did, they, did you ever talk to them about this after? I know you're, you said you didn't really have a tight relationship with your grandpa. Maybe your dad or your uh, sisters or brothers, do they have like the same feeling different kind of thing? Or is that just just you or your? If they do, they won't discuss it with me. They, you know, they're very, uh, they, you know, we still get along fine, but they were angry when I wrote the book. And, oh, really? Uh, my father, my father was okay about it. He was, a, you know, my father was a Navy fighter pilot, Vietnam, Korea, all that stuff. And he was a very courageous, honorable American soldier. And he had always known that he and his father didn't love each other. There was something strange there. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and the same with my relationship with my grandpa and I write about it in the book, but, you know, once I learned 
who this man's grandfather was in a different time and place. Like you said, there are no cell phones. There were no Wi-Fis. There were no Googles. This was yeah, newspapers telling you about, you know, the devil. And and you trusted the newspaper. You looked at the newspaper. Yeah. You went, whatever's yeah. printed in there is 100% fact. It's not like now where you question everything too, right? Yeah. So it was yeah. easier. And in a way, it was, I shouldn't say it was harder to get lots of information, but it was easier to take in information. If that makes well, sense. He didn't even tell his wife. He didn't tell the woman he married yeah. where he came from. And uh, so, you know, and there was decisions he was making in that. And um, it's a uh, it's a fascinating subject. I, I, you know, I try to cover it, but it's not a documentary about H.H. H. Holmes, which seems the new one seems to be coming out every two weeks now. Yeah. And uh, with another theory about who he really was or how many he actually murdered all things that I'm not going to get involved with. Yeah. It's um, the man was a serial killer. He, he murdered children. Oh, awful human. He was in into substituting bodies to defraud life insurance companies. For sure. Yeah. He killed his best friend. We had one person he was friends with and he killed him too. Like he was oh, an awful oh, human. He killed ex-wives. There's not a, uh, and the, you know, they all want to go into that. This is some pathological mental disorder thing. I don't think Holmes was that at all. I think this man, and you know, in his quote that that he, he included in his memoirs about how he he knew he was born with the devil in him. Yeah, yeah. This was this this was a different man. This was a different type. And I always thought that maybe my book, if people would actually look at it differently than just a documentary about who he was actually proved to have murdered by the Chicago police, who did a terrible job on the whole thing. Yeah, they, let's put it this way. Metro police departments today, I don't trust. Never mind a hundred and some years ago. You know what I mean? Like, let's wow. let's chill well, out on then, trusting whatever the cops said. You know, and then, and then Richard, the, you're the type of guy that'll dig into this stuff. But when you dig into the home story, it gets stranger and stranger. It never has another. Here, here, the guy that was head of the Chicago police department, all right, at the time when they yeah. investigated the murder castle, right? You know who he was before he worked for the police? No, who was he? He was Holmes's private lawyer. Oh, yeah, of course he was. Okay. He had attorney-client privilege issues going on. Oh, my God. Plus, they were all rich. Like, they all had money enough, right? I'm not saying they were, like, the upper crust, but it's, so they were just passing money between each other. Keep your secrets. You know, you can make more money off Holmes out of jail than in jail. It was a different world, different yeah. place. Yeah. yeah, well, that's super interesting. And then, so... You're writing bloodstains, and then you find out while you're researching what I find is the craziest thing. Yes, it's crazy that you're a your ancestor, but then you've upped the ante even more. What did you find out while researching H.H. Holmes that is crazy in the whole true, true crime thing? You found out something uh, that I would not have put two and two together on this until I actually looked into what you're saying. It's the one that people get just violently angry with me about my theory about Holmes having been Jack the Ripper. Da, da, da. <laughs> Jeff figures out that Holmes likely was Jack the Ripper. And that's what I'm doing a giant series on right now is Jack the Ripper. Yeah, that's what history hired me to do with them. Yeah. For eight, for eight episodes. Yeah. That's so crazy. So what was the first piece of evidence when you were doing your research that puts you towards this conclusion? Well, and it wasn't, I wasn't the first. Oh no. There were other people, historians that believed there was a connection. I didn't know that. With Holmes and, and being in London, selling body parts there, working to, to up his business. And then all of a sudden they started looking at his handwriting comparisons with some of the famous Jack the Ripper letters, the dear boss. 
the sausage okay. jack letters, those. And having worked with handwriting comparisons at law, I knew that this was a difficult, that, and pretty much in the in 19th century, Richard, that was, there was no DNA, there were no fingerprints. No. There were dental records and handwriting that the uh, law. Police would come to a crime scene of Jack the Ripper and they'd see blood everywhere and they go like, well, there's no evidence. And then they'd leave. Like nowadays, that would be a treasure trove of so much evidence. You wouldn't have made it past murder one. But back no. in those days, they needed someone to see them exactly doing it, get caught red handed, maybe fingerprints, because I think fingerprints are still pretty new. Uh, so that was in its infancy. So you're right. They, handwriting might have been one of the only few things that they could actually figure out right well and these and these guys were on that before me and then you know they they found out what i was doing they got a hold of me and they're they're good they're good people and uh, they they said hey we've got this and if you watch my ted talk you'll see that i use some of their with their permission some of their material about uh the holmes letters being compared with the dear boss letter and we put it up on screen at ted and then we asked the audience i think there was like 2500 people there but it was uh we asked them we know you're not in Scotland Yard. We know you're not in the FBI. Just look at this picture up here on the wall above me. Look at this. What do you see there? And there, the whole audience went, it's the same handwriting. It definitely looks similar. I've seen your TED talk. And I knew that wasn't going to go anywhere as far as history and proof, all right? Just yeah. somebody saying, hey, it looks the same. No, no, no. So I, I located with some help from uh, some of the previous law enforcement people I've worked with in California an outfit that did computer programming and comparison for the FBI and Scotland Yard and the CIA with handwriting. Okay. And they were eager to help me. They compared the Dear Boss letter with the Holmes handwriting comparisons, and they came back with 97%. Uh, you were saying that even me, if I wrote two different letters, it probably wouldn't come back 97%. No. And they told me that you know, they were working with a font that was different now than back in the 19th century. And that if we really wanted to get this a direct match, we had to invest in them putting together a new program and then and doing it again. And they, and they thought they probably could come out with 100%. So, you know, all this all of a sudden slapping me in the face. Here we go. We got this uh, evil man that all of a sudden is now possibly solving the most incredible true crime mystery that ever was the first american serial killer with like the first serial killer like that yes. jack it just adds the whole new layer to the whole thing so okay so we have the dear boss saucy jackie letter they saying that that matches too because i know the saucy jackie and the dear boss they think are written by like there's other people not just you that think it's written by jack the ripper but there's also people that think they're written by some a media man at the time to keep the, the whole story rolling, like as if to keep business alive for the story, which I don't think well, a brutal murder like that needs as letters being sent. I think they, they could have stayed in the papers for a bit anyway. All the historians realized when you look at it, Saucy Jack and Dear Boss are not written by the same man. No. So I... what they came up with was that Dear Boss was a journalistic hoax. Okay. Yeah. Because they wanted to go with Saucy Jack and the murders. For sure. And that's all ripperologists pretty much went that direction. And then they used to call journalistic hoax. So when these guys came back to me with, this isn't a journalistic hoax. This is probably your great, great grandfather wrote this letter. And that led to the number three murder there, Richard. I don't know if you want to go this far into it, but sure. that was Catherine Eddowes. Catherine, yeah. Yeah, who the letter described 
what was going to happen to her in when she was being killed. She's part of the double event, right? She's the second girl in the double event. Which, you know what? History has never actually sat down. And I'm trying to get the guys at the MGM Amazon to go with me on this. We're trying to sit down and show that it probably wasn't possible, those two on the same night, one hour apart. I've been doing so much research on Jack the Ripper. I don't think Long Liz was killed by the same person. I don't either. Whitechapel was a disaster. Murders, rapes, robberies, theft, prostitution, everywhere. It wasn't, uh, that place, I wouldn't be shocked if that was just someone hearing, knowing Jack the Ripper's on the loose, I'm going to slit a throat, I can get away with it. Same thing with Marianne Kelly. I, I don't want to get too far into it. I think oh, she might there's be. No, there's, there's no way that's the same man that Marianne Kelly. And I'm trying to show them that too and how we can go into the MO and the evidence yeah. there and, and break that down. But the first two, the first two I'm convinced were by the same man. And then um, I'll give you an interesting uh, story about it. While we were over there filming in London and history didn't want to put this on the, on the show. Well, I will. I will take that history channel. <laughs> go for it. Go for it. That's what I mean. Take that history channel. You can't censor me, history channel. Yeah, it, it's going to come out by somebody. It will. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm sitting there and it, and you know what? Filming in London with the crew there for Magilla Productions was awesome. They treated me like a king. It was fun. My my co-host Amaryllis was ex-CIA. And we oh, were, yeah. I always I used to call her Scully. <laughs> you know, she was, was X Files. Yeah, and, I've seen some um, clips. I didn't want to watch it because I didn't want to ruin this interview. I'm going to watch them right after this. So I'm sitting there in the hotel bar. We finish uh, producing all day long, and we're resting. And they're that the crew's down in the in the pit, the fire pit of the hotel, planning on the next day's shoot. And uh, these two fellows come up in suits and ties, and they walk up to me at the bar. Mr. Mudgett, uh, we'd like to introduce ourselves. We're uh, with Scotland Yard. Oh, I said, uh, you know, and they didn't, I didn't ask to see their badge or anything. I, I, they could have been lying to me. I don't know. If that was but, me, uh, Jeff, if that was me, I'd be turning and running because I probably did something illegal the day before. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> I, was, I was worried about it here. We're over there breaking down the UK, the English people's most, I don't know, talked about, uh, favorite, I don't know, mystery Popular. of all time. You know? yeah. They they actually got very stoic and uh, very uh, uh, solid. And they, they said, uh, we just want you to know, we don't agree with what you're saying about Jack having been your great-great-grandfather. But we do, do agree with your theory that there was a copycat involved. It wasn't one man and five murders. And that's, you know, that's right from there. And then they turn and walk off. And uh, so I ran down and told, told the crew and everybody, nah, nobody wanted, they wanted to stick with Jack being Jack and the five murders. You know, they thought we were going too far and they might've been right. Te television's a hard business to be successful and it's tough. Oh, I, it's, I'm in the entertainment industry, man. This, I, I do podcasting. I, I do stand up. I, I've been in the entertainment for a long time. It's very hard when you watch someone on TV and it looks so seamless and fun and easy. It's because that's what we're trying to make you think it is. It's actually very hard. <laughs> oh, oh God. Yeah. yeah. It was tough. It was tough. And um, when I, when I started, you know, thinking, you know, listen, I, you know, I was on the, I was on the show and I agreed to, you know, go with what they what they came up with but i never agreed that i wasn't going to tell the world what i really believe happened and i'm going to tell the truth and i'm doing that now in my book so after that i'm uh contacted by a, a, another fellow 
who okay. on the phone and he in, uh, introduces himself as FBI. Oh, wow. So you got Scotland Yard and FBI within a day of each other. Yeah. Great. And I, and I write about this phone call in the book. So I want your listeners to, you know, if that's all they're going to do, just read that part. It's something the world should know about. And he said, we've, we've, and you know, FBI wrote a full report on Jack the Ripper. Okay. They did a I, full investigation. I've never seen that. You can Google that up. I am going to Google it right after. Very good. I've never seen the FBI. They said, uh, I just want you to know something. Had you done the handwriting comparison correctly, and I was like, okay, I screwed that up. Uh, He said, had you done it correctly, uh, right now the world would be talking about Jack the Ripper being solved. We think we're convinced. And I said, well, what did I do wrong? What did I do? I got to the Dear Boss letter. I got these scientists, the Holmes correspondence. He said, you should have never provided them with dear boss you should have taken a sample from that letter which they couldn't identify as that that piece of history that they i was thinking that it biases them just to know that it's from hh holmes and from jack the ripper but you that's what the wow and he said if you'd have gone just with the sample they'd have come back to you with a direct match and the world would be talking right now about jack the ripper being solved Huh. That's what he told me on the phone. So, sorry, let me get that straight. Scotland Yard has unofficial position that it's more than one person. Jack the Ripper is pretty much yeah. made up by the media. Okay. Yeah. And FBI thinks he solved it. That's, un- uh, that's it. Honestly, man, you know how many people over the years have looked into fucking Jack the Ripper? And you, if, uh, and I'm not saying it's not because I, I definitely want, I want this to be true. But if this is true, it's huge. And you did a great service to, to a lot of people and figuring this out because that puts to bed something that a lot of people spend their whole lives researching. If you can put that to bed, there's a lot more crazy stuff that could use the exposure that Jack the Ripper takes from, uh, let's say, uh, uh, a a Laura well from Toronto streets. No one knows who people don't even know her name. And I'm not saying Jack the Ripper is taking up the spot. I'm just saying, if you could take that air and give it to other people that would solve that would probably help a lot of things not that i don't want the jack the ripper airtime either i definitely do don't get me wrong but if we can solve it well here check check this out and and i would have thought it would have been opposite when i first started this but the ones that get angry with me about this theory and the evidence are american historians my best fans right now richard are from the uk i sell a lot of books in the uk and you know yeah. what? They're actually there's actually production outfits over there talking to me now about coming over and doing this in the UK, to put it in on English television. Wow! And they're excited. They're excited about this coming out. That would be a game changer. That would be a game changer because we couldn't. Uh, as I, I'm a Canadian, but like North Americans, like us over here, can't be like shut up Britain. You don't know what you're talking about, about your own serial killer. We'd have to all just be like, we'd have to concede. We'd have to be like, you're right. So that'd be a game changer for Jack. I'm glad that stuff's happening for you, man. Okay. So we have dear boss letter, the handwriting, the same description basically is the, that's another thing that really close, right? Like HH Holmes, if you look at old photos versus the FBI, was it FBI uh, composite or was it Scotland Yard? BBC. It was BBC. BBC. Yeah. After all the looking at all the descriptions, because there are a bunch of eyewitnesses. I do talk about that in my series. How there's enough eyewitnesses that saw Jack the Ripper or someone they think would have been Jack the Ripper, and they're all pretty much the same. Uh, five foot seven, pudgy, kind of like me with a bowler hat, no beard, and just a mustache, which kind of looks like H.H. H. Holmes if you look at the description. So you have that, the handwriting. 
can we place him in in London at the time? Not not with direct evidence. It's pretty tough. We we've been trying that for years. The uh, fellow from the FBI told me they'd tried that and they couldn't come up with that okay. piece of evidence, which would have obviously been just the the people at history. Uh, we found a bag of Holmes's medical equipment and and most of it was uh, made in in London. And they, they, they thought that was really fascinating. That is fascinating. Which we, you know, he could have bought it over here. There's no, you know, and I know that the true crime historians will get mad at me for that. But it's, it's uh, that part of it, I wish we had had a direct, but you know, this is a man, Richard, and your listeners got to understand this. He used 41 different alias. Yeah. When he traveled, he never sign the passenger list on a liner going to London that says H.H. Holmes, really Herman Webster, much of here I am, I'm riding on your ship. He didn't do that kind of stuff. And uh, he was a master con, a, a, the greatest fraud that ever lived. Uh, the, the, you know what? I hate to use greatest. The worst fraud that ever lived in American history. For sure. And he knew, he knew how to clean up the evidence after he had committed a crime. His memo was, if, for people who don't know anything about H.H. H. Holmes, uh, like his modus operandi or MO, he would, he would defry people. He'd get life insurance policies put on them and then kill them a lot of the time. And then he would also lure people from the World's Fair into his murder castle to have his weird murder castle thing. So he, his MO was a lot to make money. Uh, right. It was motivation for money. But you know what? And and he also used cadavers and corpses for the life insurance fraud. He had a, a, an outfit that would provide a, a similar body. They'd ship it over and he'd put it in. <laughs> he'd get it all. He'd get the teeth all set up. So the ID worked properly, all that. He'd go to the life insurance companies and he'd take them. He'd take them. And, you know, he's making 10 grand a, a fraud back then, which when you work it out now, it's a lot of money outrageous amounts that's why he was loaded he lived hard like that your biggest opposition for this must be the mo right oh, yeah. For, yeah. right because because uh, jack the ripper seems like very serial killer in the aspect of being like a product killer so it's more like he would kill than play with the body and it was like his like it was kind of like a sexual motivation in a way like a pseudo i don't know, I don't know of any that i haven't had any evidence that he played with cadavers like that well he's pulling out all the insides jeff he had multiple wives no yeah but hh holmes didn't do that is what i'm saying oh okay no no i didn't see any of that or jack the ripper did that that was his mo oh it, it wasn't i didn't i didn't know that well jack the ripper would pull out their insides this is what because if they're all five let's let's pretend all five were jack the ripper he would mutilate and pull out the body parts and he would do awful things, rip off chunks of their face, skin them. Obviously, you know, people come at you for this. You've even said it a couple of times. People are going to get mad at me for this. 10 years now. Yeah, exactly. And your biggest, one of the biggest things people must come at you is the MOs, the differences between Jack the Ripper and H.H. H. Holmes, right? Like, how do you, like, how do you explain that? If we're going to talk about the Catherine Eddowes MO was closer to Holmes than the uh, Mary Kelly. You're right. There's no, there's no similarity there whatsoever. No. I, mean, I, I don't even, I wouldn't even take that to court. I wouldn't, I don't know if anybody in law enforcement that would, it's too different. Yeah. And it's always disappointed me in how true crime has struck her with the, you know, the other. And then like, I'm glad to hear you say Elizabeth stride. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That one hour apart running across town and committing this. And then, no, that, that, that didn't happen. Like that. It could have. There, there's been people who've tried it. You could have, but I just don't, I don't think that. Well, we're, I'm trying to get the people. His hands would have been full of blood. He would have been like covered. He would have been running. And I know the clothes, everyone back then, like that area, Whitechapel was like a, 
a butchery and it had lots of slaughterhouses and people, but this is the middle of the night. I don't think people walk around full of blood in the middle of the night. So he would have been full. He, I, I don't, I don't see it. It could be though. I don't, that's the problem. That's the awesome part about yeah. Jack the Ripper is that's why it's so fun is because it could be a million things because there's nothing definitive. The production outfit in the UK wants to actually set it up where we have, uh, you know, their law enforcement professionals with the scientists, the forensic scientists involved. And we're going to try to work those two crimes out to see if it is possible. And they're actually very interested in that. I think that's fascinating. I think that it, that's a good episode. That should be episode nine. Are you guys doing another season or it was called American Ripper, right? On history channel. American Ripper that uh, no, the last episode caused troubles for the history channel and uh, they decided to stay, to leave it alone. And it, really? uh, it was that, but I'll tell you what, before we go any further, I want to let you know, if, you know, because of, and you, I know you're familiar with the dates involved with Beer Boss and the Catherine Eddowes yeah. murders. Yeah. If, if it's established 100% that that handwriting is Holmes, there's no way he could have written that letter without being there at the time. I mean, that proves where he was because of the dates involved in that murder. For sure. And when the media released that letter after the murder, you, there's no way. And when you break it down, I had a great reporter from Chicago on Fox News there and came up to me and he said, you know, I know you're getting beat up over this about this theory about Jack the Ripper. But he said, he said, I, I, I just want you to know we were sitting around the network they're talking about it and he said we all came to the same conclusion he said the odds that these two extremes of extreme types would have written the same handwriting letters at the same time on different sides of the atlantic he said is ridiculous i mean we're talking about universal odds that it could have happened like that was the same guy. And that was that was from the Fox News report. I, I still I got that one stuck in my head. That it's 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 something, right? Like I think about that too. Like how likely would it be that a Jack the Ripper would exist at the same time as an HH Holmes? Just the 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 two characters that are so yeah, like those are hundred year every one hundred years you see someone crazy like that, right? You don't see it all that often. But at the same time, I just don't get the H.H. Holmes would do this for money. Why would why was he murdering people in London? Just for fun at this point? You know, there's that's that's an interesting question. I've never answered it myself. There was, uh, he was obviously interested in something there. Maybe he was having a good time he, and he knew he could just come back home on the ship and it was all behind him. I don't know. I don't know. That's, uh, that's one of the things that I run into when I, you know, I go on shows and they have another historian that wants to argue the opposite, that, that that's the question you just asked. The great question you just asked is something I can't prove. So that totally disproves my theory that he was Jack the Ripper. And they, and they jump on stuff like that. I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know that. If, if we're going to speculate, which I'm fine with, I, I that's my show's half speculation for fun anyway. We dig all the facts and we speculate at the end for fun. I, I'm, I, I could see if he was there and it's not all five. And he just killed one or two and he's just on holiday. It's like, it's like get yourself a, like, I wouldn't go buy myself a placard for my wall that says man cave or something, but I'm on, I'm on holidays. You know, I'm going to pick something up from a man cave when I get home, something from Vermont. Maybe that's what he's just doing. I'm going to pick myself a uterus from London. You don't know what these psychos think. It might be something just as easy as that. Cause he didn't, he thought of people as property. Well, and you know, what, what I always have to remind uh, the, the contrarians is you know the every, history accepts that this was a pathological liar i mean 
Yep. Everything, everything he said was a lie. And, you know, I'm constantly when I reread a new book coming out about a Holmes documentary, I see that these authors all jump on that statement about Holmes being a pathological liar. And then and two pages later, they'll use a quote by Holmes to prove. Their <laughs> and I, you know, I'm like, come on, dude, you can't do it like that. You can't have one. You can have one or the other. You can't be both. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, it's fun stuff. It's fun stuff. And that's um, I'm looking forward to how much interest is coming out now in Hollywood and entertainment. Mm -hmm. uh, That that devil in the white city is going to be maybe the most amazing stream yet. Hulu's very excited. And you've got the two biggest giants in Hollywood doing it. Scorsese, DiCaprio. Now you got Keanu Reeves and and Hulu's told them, just spend the money, just do it. We want this to be incredible. And, uh, and it's going to be amazing to watch. I'm, I'm very excited for it. And I'm, I hope you get to do a lot more uh, talking to them. Get, hopefully they get you to at least meet Scorsese. You know what I mean? Like you're doing my, my great, great grandpa. Get to meet the old, the old Scorsese. <laughs> uh, Keanu would be cool too. If you get any pictures, send them our way. I'll put them up for you. So okay. I got a couple more questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love your questions. Fire away, man. Yeah, good. I'm, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're having fun. Tough. Make them tough. I, don't, I'm, I can handle it. Go. The hard part for me too, and the one thing I can't, is the motivation, the MO on the whole thing. But you're, you're, you're with me too. You don't understand that part either. So it's, it's hard to go with. If he's not all the killers, I think it's easier to think about. Uh, if he doesn't kill all five, the, the canonical. This is my next question here. You guys, I, I saw that you were trying to exhume HH's body because there's a theory, conspiracy theory out there that HH Holmes actually didn't die in uh, 1896 yeah sorry 1896 he was actually swapped out for another man who took the fall for him and he, he escaped because he paid off a jailer can you give us a little bit of that that's my theory and my theory alone okay that's uh, i i know that wasn't him that we dug up i i i could take that to court right now and win so you guys actually did exhume him you did actually get him oh, up oh yeah oh yeah they they, they uh they hired him. We had the uh, the uh, judge from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania order us to dig him up. I to try to identify him. We used uh, anthropologists from the University of Pennsylvania. Okay. And um, you know the uh, it, it, you know what happened, Richard? It was the end of the stream. We were trying to put it together right before that episode came up on TV. There was a budget. And man, that budget just went through the the cost of that exhumation and this forensic science. Holmes had bought two graves, not one. We came up on a on a fake coffin in the one. Really, this mold-like material that they used to shape to look like there was a body in it when they first buried it. This is my theory, my theory now, but I, I can tell you what, there's artist depictions in the newspaper account showing this, this fake coffin going in, but they thought it was real. And then next to it, two feet deeper is this concrete tomb surrounded in timber lumber. And it's uh, something right out of the, uh, the pharaohs and, and Egypt. Because like cr- that was my question. Did, did they, they encase them in cement? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they say encased one body in cement, and 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 the contrarians out there will tell you, Richard, that that was because this evil man, this man who had a murder castle that worked down in the basement, you know, murdering little innocent girls, all of a sudden grew afraid of the dark. That all of a sudden he was afraid of a grave robber interfering with his body, 
and he yeah. had to have this concrete to ensure that never happened. But why would even if he was scared of the dark, like wouldn't you want to scare him? Like he's a piece of shit. Why would you be like, oh sorry, I don't want to scare you, Mr. Murderer? Like uh, get in your hole. Okay. And I'm I'm convinced, Richard, that concrete block was put together in order that no one would ever identify who was really there, at least back in the in the 19th century. And that's that's my theory. That's my theory. And we argue it. We argue it every time I go on a show with someone on the other side. But it's, uh, you know, we had we had we identified the body. Skeleton was too short. The physique was wrong. The one that just knocked the one that I could win in a criminal court of law right now, Richard, was when that body was hanged, whoever it was. And it came, fell through the scaffolding, eight, an eight foot drop with the rope. They had to surgically remove the rope from the neck. The face was exploded. Really? They had to get uh, the surgically remove the rope from the neck and it embedded. All right. Okay. The two doctors there at the prison identified the vertebra that were broken in the back. They actually named the two and it was the actual doctor from the, from the Moya Manson prison. When we dug him up, Richard, and I tell you what, there's not a jury or a judge in the world that would have gone with this. The two anthropologists from the UPenn admitted there was no cause of death trauma to the vertebra. Huh. And I'm like, you know, what, what are we doing here? I said, you got, and they said, well, we can identify the teeth. The teeth are a perfect match. The dental record is perfect. And I said, yeah, but that's what he did for a living. He falsified dental records to substitute sure. a corpse to falsify to, to defraud a life insurance policy. Get away from that the dental records thing. You know, get away from that. Did you guys end up getting any DNA off of the corpse? Yeah, and it was trouble. It was trouble. We, uh, my dad and I, gave DNA that okay. ours matched perfectly. Obviously, yeah, yeah. Uh, we were in uh, late spring of that year. The two UPenn scientists at the directions of the King's College in London got the uh, sample that they wanted for the DNA test. It was a pocket in the back of his skull. Okay. It's kind of like a powdery bone, and they used a diamond drill bit. I was, I was there when they did it, and they took it out and sent it to London. We had molars. We had teeth. We had everything, and they didn't want any of that. And they said, we'll have the results back to you in three to five days. Yeah. No. We, we waited four months, five months, and then all of a sudden – Oh, okay. The DNA, the DNA match. And and I've never bought that about what happened there. And uh, the the DNA did not match is what they said. Right before that final episode, they said it matched. But for the whole summer, there's a quote, the two scientists go on Rolling Stone magazine. All right. And this is the one that drives them nuts when I bring it up because they can't get around this. Rolling Stone asked them, what about the DNA? What about the DNA? You guys did DNA tests on this. And the two scientists admitted they'd given up on DNA. Right on Rolling Stone magazine. Google it up. You can see there. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely look at it. it. We think it degraded to where it couldn't be tested. And I'm like, what? What? 100 years of DNA? Does it? King's College didn't say anything about degrading DNA. They told us exactly where they wanted the sample. Yeah. Whatever happened there, I don't know what really went on. I like this conspiracy. I'm down with this. All I know, Richard, this this is going to come out eventually, and I'll get to produce a documentary about what I think was in that grave and the evidence we uncovered, and it's going to uh, shock the world because that wasn't him. And that doesn't mean I can prove he wasn't hanged that day. See, this is another thing I have to be honest about. I don't know how he would have pulled an escape off 
And I don't know who was on the end of that rope that day. It could have been just a substituted body in that grave because he didn't want someone to know where he was buried, really. Maybe that was it. Did he have that big mustache at the time? Oh, yeah. the big... I had it in my finger. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. So all you had to do to get out was just like pull off that fake mustache and just walk out with a guard's uniform. No one would have known. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know what? Back then, a lot of men thought that mustache was cool. You know, I, oh, I, yeah. when you see, I think it's cool now. <laughs> you see men in bowler hats back then. They all have mustaches. But uh, no, it was a, it's a fascinating subject. I'm, it's going to come out one day. I'll get to present my case and the world can decide whether I'm full of shit or not. Okay? You can do it now. What's what's stopping you now? No, I'm trying right now. It's it's You know what, though? It has to be done with trial evidence it has to be done where someone would say no that that's not just mudget trying to write a book to sell to make copies selling copies all right this, this is this is something that history needs to look at this was probably in my opinion richard the greatest fraud ever committed on the american criminal justice system ever that's why I like this conspiracy. It's a big scandal. And if where would he have gone? That's the other thing. Where would do you have any leads on where he would have went to? Just rode off into the sunset. I in my book I theorize he went to the uh, California. Oh yeah, that's where a lot of my my a lot of my family went to get away from the stigma that was involved with being a mudget back then. Yeah, I forgot about the. I had a question for you about that. So which of the wives there is? Are you descended from Clara? The first one before he went off to Chicago to be a psychopath. I'm sure he was a psychopath before that too, but <laughs> I have my doubts about it. I think that's something we all society now throws out there because they don't want to believe that men are, are capable of this type of wickedness, you know, and the human race isn't capable of that. I don't know if it's a, it's a pathological thing or not. I, um, I, 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 it'd be interesting to have you guys do a show on that about, is it, is it possible to prove that there is just an evil? side to some of us yeah i think the there's a guy who wrote a book called the psychopath test you ever hear about this no yeah and he is a was a he's like a brain doctor and that's what he did and he was getting going to prisons and taking mris of brains of psychopaths people that were murderers he knew for they were already in jail for this kind of stuff admitted to like not having feelings stuff like that and he wanted to go see if there's any patterns in the brains that could show early signs of psych, psychopathy. So what he needed to do was also get some tests of people that he knew weren't psychopaths. So we got his whole family to do an MRI, including himself, doing a bunch of MRIs on all these prisoners. And they were the control group. And when he would look at them, he would just look at them and see if he could find similarities and then go back and look at his evidence and go like, oh, that was the psychopath. Maybe that's where the, the similarities are. So he's looking through this one. And he's going through them all in a psychopath, psychopath. And he gets to this one. And he goes, I wonder whose one this one is. Who is it? And he goes and looks and it's himself. And he goes, what? And then he starts figuring out that there's a part of the brain that's turned off when you're a psychopath. And a lot of people, psychopathy is a lot more common in the US, but it's uh, then just people who murder people. There's also like the ruthless businessman or the heartless doctor who just likes to do surgery, stuff like that. All these kind of people who excel to those levels. He starts testing those people and he finds that they're the same way. So anyways, it's a, it's a super interesting book on like psychopathy. Yeah, it's called The Psychopath Test. And it, it's about maybe 10 years old now. Uh, fascinating. Very fascinating about brain. He, the crazy parts he figures out himself is a psychopath. And he's like, what? <laughs> I kind of knew that. But I mean, uh, he does a TED Talk as well.
I think. Our talk this morning, I'm enjoying, I can see how you think about true crime and it's fascinating me. Uh, just, you know, well, we're done here today. Just think about it. why would the man, this, this guy waiting execution at Moya Mensi, why would he have bought two graves? Why would he have had a fake coffin in one with a clay mold in the other? Why would he have not had a headstone on either one? And, and you know, the, the contrarians will jump right to, he was afraid of a grave robber. And I think, I think, you know, have you guys ever heard about that old, that old theory we all use when we can't prove something, but all the evidence points that direction, oh, Occam's razor. Yeah. <laughs> all in all, if you put everything together, usually the most simple solution is the truth. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. there's an Occam, there's an Occam's razor on this, uh, the graves, the exhumation, the body parts, all that stuff. And it's, it'll come out eventually. If I, if I, I can speculate a bit on this, maybe I can throw my two cents onto the whole, uh, see what you think. I think there's two, you said, why do you have two graves? I think there's two people getting executed. Just H.H. Holmes was the famous one. So the other guy didn't really get it. The fake clay thing is for the escape. Okay. Uh, if we're going to go with the escape thing, I think that they put said H.H. Holmes was going to get cemented, but they swapped the graves. They bury H.H. Holmes that day after getting hanged. And then somebody comes, digs them out four or five hours later when everyone's gone, replaces them with the, the ink, covers them back up, none the wiser, and he rides off in the middle of the night. Dude, you're going to be attacked now by the contrarians in history. <laughs> <laughs> I already get attacked all the time. I'm on a show called Unethical. I don't care. Okay, all right. <laughs> it's, part yeah. of my, it's part of my charm. Because uh, I, I I, I'm willing to listen to everybody's side. I don't want to be... If we don't know, uh, especially with private dicks, if I don't know... There's never like at this point, we're probably never actually ever going to know unless something big comes out. So why am I going to say that Jeff Mudgett or Brian Selzer or any fucking buddy doing these uh, things are right? How can none of us can be right? None of us were there. It's hundreds of years ago. So I really appreciate that you brought something fresh to this whole thing over after 100 years. I mean, you know, and I think you're exactly right. We'll never know how many he actually murdered. Yeah, I mean, I, I've never argued those number things. I don't know if it's six or nine or 13 or 27 or 15. I don't, we'll never know that, that not one of those murders was ever witnessed by anyone. Even Jack the Ripper will never know. We'll never know if it was one or 11 or That's 12 right. or 14. That's right. True. So uh, I don't like to argue that. So I just like to hear all the theories and I like to, I like to present them out because at the end of the day, it's just like a fun mind exercise. And uh, if you personally with your case being related to Holmes in a way that it gives you some sort of like closure with the whole thing, right? Like I don't want to, I wouldn't want to dwell on that for the rest of my life. I would, I would do what you would do. I would look into it and present my side. I, I feel like you're doing the perfect job with the information you were given at 40, no less. That's like someone, I'm freaking German. It's like someone telling me, Oh, Hitler was your grandpa. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like now, good thing you changed my last name. <laughs> you know what I mean? Good thing you yeah, changed yeah, my no, last name. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what that question's <laughs> coming from. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I got a couple questions from the listeners here. Uh, a listener called Cole Blenner had a couple questions for you. Uh, he wanted to know how many rooms were in the murder castle. If you do know that, I don't, no I don't know specific. No idea. Nothing specific. There's, you know what? There's been artist depictions of the layout. I've got my doubts about those. To tell you the truth, I. I really don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how Hollywood puts it together. Yeah, for sure. That's what I was going to say. Like me and you are just one man. I don't know if you got a team behind you. I'm just, we're or me and the guys and girls. Uh, there's about four or five of us that are doing all this stuff together. You, I don't think you have my fucking 
Keanu Reeves and his crew are going to have hundreds of people researching this stuff oh. and digging oh, up yeah. everything. They're, they're so. going to research everything that ever existed about this thing. Okay. I'm excited for that. Yeah. I'm excited. They, to see and that. you know what? And they have, they're going to take creative license. They're going to fill gaps with Hollywood imagination. All that I don't stuff. know, man. I don't know. Cause I'm watching Dahmer right now. Like that uh, new thing that just came out on Netflix about Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh-huh. It's a, uh, uh, like, biopic i guess it would be or it's a tv show based on his case and they're getting very very close to the truth of whatever the stories that are have been going around for 40 years about uh, Dahmer. so i don't know how much they're gonna take creative license like they they're good now they are good at finding all the stuff and squeezing it in and making it look like who knows i, I don't know my point is if they put build that house it might be accurate like it might be very accurate, which is cool. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Yeah. Yeah. So the other one was how, how did he make his escape and how? Cause he knew about your uh, book, I guess, but me and you kind of postulated a bit. I don't think we need to get more into that one. We don't really know. I, you know what? Hey, there's, there's, that's one thing I, you know, I thought about theorizing about how the escape could have been pulled off. And then I decided not to in this, my new revision coming out. I just decided to let everyone know, listen, I don't know. I I have my doubts. He would have had to have had, you know, and all of a sudden, Richard, you bring up a theory about how he would have escaped. And all of a sudden, the conspiracy theorists and all that, the, the, they'll claim that, you know, that's you're just wrapping another strange Holmes coincidence around a conspiracy theory without any evidence to prove it. And you know what? That, that's all, that's all good case law argument against the theory, but it's, uh, Something went on there. I, I, you know, that when you go back and look how the prison treated him, when you, you know, dressed in his suit there in his cell, writing away, and and the Hearst Corporation feeding him money, and his wife Clara going to Chicago three times while he was in prison, awaiting execution, making runs to the bank and then back to him, he was buying something. He was yeah. buying something. Yeah, he's being rich in America has always been awesome. Uh, <laughs> all right i got a couple more questions this is from celeste my co-host from unethical she wants to know if you have any uh hh holmes memorabilia aside from the journals did you guys get anything else passed down oh i've got some original photographs of him and his wives with him signing the back things like that but i don't uh history has those scalpels oh, those okay. medical instruments we located they have those uh, or maybe the upen has them they have a the upen wanted to do something with the skeleton, but the judge made them made the, them put Come it back. on. Judges are such wet blankets, yeah, made, you know what I mean? Let's have some fun with the skeleton yeah, well, here. <laughs> he was, he put his fist down, that yeah. had to go back. And uh, I tell you what, I while we were uh, filming there that day in the laboratory, I snuck around the corner while they were all up drinking their coffee. And um, yeah, I'd always had that Shakespearean image of Hamlin, all right? And uh, so I snuck down into the lab, the body, the, the skeleton's on the gurney. And I went over and grabbed the skull in my hand and was talking oh, to wow. him, whoever it was. This is your H.H. Holmes coming out of you here a little bit, I think. <laughs> well, I wanted to feel if I, I wanted to see if I felt any energy yeah, coming yeah. out of those eyes, you know, if it I figured if it was really him, I'd just feel something. Didn't feel anything. And uh, the, the, the scientist ran back in. The director runs back in. 
the history representative runs, and they're screaming and yelling at me that I'm destroying the the shoot and and all this. And I okay, okay, here, here, yeah. And I said, but you know what? One thing you ought to check, you two scientists. What, what, what? I said the brain's still in the skull, and they're like, you're ridiculous, it isn't. And they ran over, flipped it over, and oh, the brain wow. was still in the skull after hundreds. Of, and I still, no one's ever answered how that's possible. I don't know either. I, I know I did an episode on Edgar Allan Poe, and then when they had dug him up. They were shaking around his skull and they could hear something rolling around in there, but they think it was like a brain tumor that made him go crazy. But I didn't know that the brain actually could survive. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. All right. Well, uh, I think I have one more question here and then I'll let you go. Thank you very much for your time. I've had a great time. During your investigations, did you ever, did you come across anything else that, or any other murders that you suspect HH Holmes may have been responsible for? Another cold question. Hmm. Just no, no, I, I was always, I was always, you know, I think history always, he destroyed that entire family there at the end, you know, with the Peitzel family, with the murder trial going on and the life insurance fraud that he yeah. was committing the little, the two little girls, the little boy, you know, in the trunks, they were right, found. Was his um, best friend. You know, if, if, if the life insurance companies hadn't hired Pinkerton and the Geyer private detective, they still wouldn't have known in Canada who committed those Toronto murders. So they, they discovered that. So he was a tough guy to run down a murder with. And, you know, we had a, like you said, chemicals in the basement. He had a furnace with thousands of yeah. degrees. You know, he had a, he deal, he dealt in glass and cement with the Chicago river and Lake right next door to him. I, you know, I just, that's uh plus he has a history of selling cadavers for money right so they yeah. you've been just selling yeah. them to the chicago yeah. hospital there he is potentially a 200 kill serial killer um i no doubt in my mind i just don't think that, that, that yeah that it probably isn't possible just the time involved that many i i'm i'm thinking it's probably you know in the maybe 13 or 14 something like that i don't i don't know how many exactly. mm-hmm. i mean that's terrible yeah. enough for me dude that's terrible enough for me. one's enough one's more than enough yeah, yeah. once you get it just gets fascinating after that. It doesn't get any better. It doesn't get any nicer. It just gets to, scratches my like why brain. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's it. Thanks a lot, Mr. Mudget. If people want to go check you out, you can go on your socials. I see that you have blood stains on Facebook that I follow. I don't really have any of the other socials. Do you have Instagram? Any stuff like that? You know, I have a no. I have a, my private Facebook page, but I don't include home stuff there. That's more my friends and images and pictures of stuff. That's not. I try to stay that's away true. from it there. And it's uh, to tell you the truth, as soon as I come out with my revision here, which I want you I would to love read, to. it'll be given to you oh, for that's free awesome. to download. I'm going to, I'm going to put HH Holmes away. This is, I've been, my passion turned into an obsession, which I want to, I want to put away. I want to move on to something different in my life. Cool. You think it's going to be true crime related or? I've got a, I'm, I've got another book I'm writing, a fictional piece about a private detective that I've oh, always nice. wanted to put, I'm going to, I'm going to put together. I used to love those kind of books when I was cool. a kid. If you can, if you want to name them after me, that's fine. I wouldn't be upset. Okay. If you'd like. (laughs) Actually, I might borrow your private dick title for the book. That's great. That's amazing. Give her. No, I'm kidding. You could, you can, uh, in the, in the forward, say to my best friend, Richard Stoodle. (laughs) Okay. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. So, you know, you bloodstains are going to put away. That's cool. And then, uh, you people can still go check out the uh, hopefully get residuals from the the history channel show we'll get people on that give you some streams go check out american ripper 
and he's got a TED talk. Um, Jeff's also, like I said, his book's coming out soon. Do you, as you said, a couple weeks from now. So what, October, mid-October sometime? Oh, whenever I say this, it always extends. I'm, I'm thinking before Halloween. Yeah. Okay. So let's make that yourself, your Halloween present to yourself. Uh, bloodstains, what are you going to call it? Revision, revised? Bloodstains, re-blooded. No, no, no. Blood, bloodstains, redux. There you go. I love Bloods- I don't know. Is it going to be an audio book or is it going to be just full paperback? Just ebook. No ebook. I'm going to, I'm going to go with president Biden. We're going to do the climate change. We're going to go green new deal. I'm just going to have an ebook. Good man. So we'll get, plus, we'll get you know what it is. I'm going to, and when it, when I'm through with the free download, we're going to, we're going to put it for, for sale, but at a price ridiculously low, like a cup of coffee. But you know what I want? I want something in America to be involving someone's cost. You know, not this these escalated things they charge us all for everything yeah. now, you know, and uh, there's no I'm not having much cost involved in getting a website and having an ebook download. It's pretty it's 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 pretty okay. easy to do. Pretty well, that's, that's do. awesome. Thanks for your time and, and have a good day. Anything else you want to add to this before I uh, before you cut it loose? Well, I'll tell you this. There's a, in my book, I'm coming out with a part that might shock the world even more than Jack the Ripper. I'm wow. coming out with a theory about. Why would the federal government have bought that property knowing what happened there and then built the United States post office there without ever investigating those murders, which is a federal law? Really? Yeah. Think about that, dude. Think about that. I I can't wait for your book now because... I could talk about this all day, Jeff. I'm not going to, that's your, that's the big thing in your new book. I don't want to give some spoilers. I'm no, not gonna ask but it's a, no, but it's a part and it's um, something that's always bothered me and no one else wanted to get involved with me. And well, can I ask her, do we want to wait till the book comes out? What do you think? What do you think it is? Well, why do you think the government would buy that building and build the, Oh no, I don't know. But I tell you what, when we went down into the basement, Richard, and uh, you know, my buddy and I finally talked with superintendent and letting us go, it was barricaded. Got down in there, spider webs, dirt, everything. Selzer went down there after with me another time on Haunted History, but they cleaned it all out for that show. Yeah, when yeah, we yeah. went down that first time, we get to the the, the, the post office would have been, it wasn't over, directly over the top of where the murder castle would have been. It's situated to the side a little bit, maybe a little bit of an overlap, okay? And something that still fascinates the hell out of me. We got down there on that wall, bordering where the castle would have been, basement would have been. There was a doorway cut into the wall. Really? That had been used to go into that without anyone knowing. And then when they were finished, whatever they were doing, they closed it back up with blocks. But you could see where this had gone on, and this had been a United States post office. The federal government was doing this. Interesting. And I'm still that that kind of thing, that kind of thing fascinates me. And I've sent some FOIA requests. Nothing. nothing. Really? Nothing. And you're you're a guy who would know how to get that kind of stuff properly. So I'm shocked that they didn't okay. send it to you. I, I'm I'm gonna think steal about it. Think about it. Help me with this. That's what I mean. I'm just doing that for a couple of days and I'll get back to you on my thoughts because I got to see what was around there during that time. See if any of your see if any of your listeners have any inside dope. That's what I mean. That's what Rick, uh, one of my co-hosts of Private Dicks, uh, Rick's this, uh, he, he'll 
figure out something very obscure like that and then come up with a crazy theory that sounds just as real as anything. So I'm going to put this on Rick. And tell him when you guys are ready, I'll send you a picture of that cut out in the wall. Oh, I'm ready today. I'll post this with the episode. I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. That's awesome. Okay. Well, yeah. thanks a lot. I, it was a pleasure to meet you, honestly. And I thank you for all your uh, knowledge and all your, your information. You're very easy to work with. And I love to have you on again if you ever want to come on. I tell you what, I do a lot of podcasts now, and this was probably my favorite. I had a lot of fun. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. I had fun meeting Mr. Mudget. Jeff gave me a good hour and a half of his time, which was more than I expected, and I really appreciate it. I just watched Private Dicks, and I think RJ's the funniest. What? Come on! Hey there, all you private dickheads. That's probably not the name we're going to stick with. Anyways, uh, RJ here. I am here to tell you thank you for listening to another episode of Private Dicks. If you liked what you heard, go on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere they take your reviews, drop us five stars, say something nice. Also, what you just heard was from last season. If you want current episodes as they're dropped, head on over to patreon.com and search up Unethical Podcast. That's our mother podcast. I was not aware Private Dicks was a spinoff, I'm going to renegotiate my contract. On Patreon is a full 16-episode season more of Private Dicks, uncut videos of each episode, and many more things are getting added all the time. You can also find all of Unethical's content on there, so go listen to that. And if you're already a patron, fuck yeah, dude. You're the best. Mm-hmm.